Hey, I'm Ashley McGee. I'm a health coach, military officer, and military spouse. I'm passionate about helping military women live their happiest and most abundant lives by improving their health. If you're looking for actionable tips and tricks to get healthier while balancing your hectic life, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Healthy Women Warriors podcast. My name is Ashley McGee, and I'm super excited to have Ebony Miller with me. Ebony, welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, I am really excited for our conversation today because uh, we're going to be talking about health equity, which is honestly something I don't know a lot about. I'm really excited to dive in. But first, I would love for you to share a little bit about your background. Like, who is Ebony Miller? Um, All right. Um, So I'm originally from uh, Riverside, California. I went to the Naval Academy, graduated 2007 uh, with a political science degree, and I became a a surface worker officer. And then kind of during that part in time, um, you know, I liked being a small, I liked being underway, but uh, I was on an LHT-8 Macon Island where we had a whole entire surgical suite. We had nurses, we had PAs, we had doctors. And at one point in time during our 45-day deployment, there was a typhoon that hit Bangladesh. And they offered, hey, who wants to go and leave the ship, bring water, bring medical supplies? And at that time, I hadn't really seen land in about 50 days. And I was like, yep, I'm definitely going to be there. But pretty much what happened is that it changed my whole perspective on what I wanted to do with my life. You know, I thought I was a lifer 20 years slow, but I saw the PAs, the nurses and the doctors and just like helping people hand out water. And then people who had just lost everything smile because of the kindness that medical professionals uh, gave to them. So from that that was pretty much year one after I became a SWO. And uh, I was like, yep, medical fields for me. That's what I want to do. But as I kind of said before, I'm a political science major. And so there's a lot of prerequisites that I had to do. So I pretty much spent the next eight years getting prereqs at community colleges or other colleges to become a physician assistant. The reason why I chose physician assistant is, one, it's less years, but also I like the ability to switch from one specialty to the other without having a residency. Um, so I've worked in primary care, I've worked in psychiatry, uh, and currently I work as an ENT surgery PA, uh, as well as some primary care. But also during my kind of transition into healthcare, I got a master's in public health, which is kind of where I initially heard about health equity. So kind of like public health is pretty broad. And it's just like what your environmental health, you have health promotion, and you're hitting a group of people. Uh, Once I got my master's in public health, I wanted to help people more on an individual level because I really love making connections with patients and clients. And therefore, that's why I then went to uh, get my physician assistant license. But honestly, like health equity is such a huge, big topic. And now people are acknowledging that it's a big topic. And so that's why I then continue to my doctorate program um, to get a doctorate in health equity or social justice. That's incredible. Like what an amazing story. So I'm curious, like kind of going back to the beginning, were you starting to knock out those prerequisites while you were a SWO? Yes. So oh deployments, 
whenever internet was uh, in, I would take online classes or I would just try to find a time. Uh, I was stationed in Mississippi for a while because our ship was being built and I went to community colleges there. It was a really long road. Uh, And at first I didn't get into a PA school, so I had to apply twice um, in order to get in. And so it was just something that I really wanted to do. Wow. I mean, that's so impressive. Uh, and, and I know <laughs> anyone that's either watching or listening to this that like, it was anything about this whole community is like, I don't know. I don't know how you did that. Um, that is really incredible. Did you end up doing uh, the, the old five and dive getting out as basically as soon as you could? No. So I got out at seven um, because for the academy, you have to do five years and then you have to do three years after that to get the post 9-11 GI Bill mm-hmm. for them to pay for it. So the five years that we owe doesn't count for it. So I made sure, and I was enlisted for a year before I went to the academy. Mm-hmm. And so um, full 100% 9-11 GI Bill, I stayed in for uh, a total of one year enlisted and then seven years officer. Wow. But then, I mean, obviously it paid off because you've been able to use it for your school, right? <laughs> yes, debt-free, which is amazing. <laughs> Uh, I, I have a feeling you're, you're a rarity among your, your peers in the medical field there. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, but it's definitely worth it. I love like just hearing about how you're originally inspired and especially the switch from like wanting to be a lifer to like, no, actually like my calling is somewhere else. So mm-hmm. um, walk me through going from the military, which is its own thing, to the medical field, what was that transition like? You know, honestly, I'm probably still transitioning. Um, I will say that the military, the camaraderie is like no other place you'll ever experience. That, That will probably be when you do leave or when your husband retires. And, you know, that will be probably one of the main things that you will miss. Just everyone's there to do a common job. There's like there's egos, but there's not as many (laughs) egos in the military. And it's just, Hey, you know, we have this mission. It's what you gotta do. So for me, and also kind of how people interact with each other, like, Hey, go do this. It gets done. Civilian military. There's a lot of touchy feely and which I don't mind. I love people. Um, I don't mind touchy feely with patients. It's like, I love every single patient. I love being able to like talk to them, actually get down and listen to them and find out, Hey, how can I help you achieve your best life? But I think it's every day I meet new personalities and I have to just be adaptable because that's kind of what the military also teaches you to be adaptable in certain situations. Also, one thing that I learned that uh, how we learn, you know, early is on time, on time is late, and late is forgotten. That doesn't really apply. (laughs) (laughs) Meetings start like 10 minutes ago and people aren't there. (laughs) In that sense, I had to kind of let go of some of the um, uptightness that the military had, but um, I think it's for the best. But I'm still transitioning, and I think there's things that I'll never change because I think it makes just a better overall professional. Yeah. You just made me think of something and I I have to ask you, it's totally random. Do you still fold your shirts the same way as you did at the Academy? Uh, No, I don't. 
And I only started when I married my husband. He was just like, stop holding my shirts like that. And I said, okay. So for a long time, I really, really did socks. I still do like with the smiley face. When I remember, I do dark to light, left to right. But uh, I think socks are the only things that have really <laughs> stayed the same. Yeah. Shirts 100% for me. Yeah. yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> that and... I don't like, and I still have a really big mental block about walking on grass because I'm like, it's the admiral's grass. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I walk on grass all the time. <laughs> oh. It's funny how like what things you start so ingrained with you from like the experience, and that's that's cool though. Yeah, yeah you don't think about it at all until like I'm walking somewhere and I'm on a path, and then I when I cut across the grass, I'm like. Can I do that? Like, yeah, it's because no one cares. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so like, let's talk a little bit about health equity. So, starting with like, okay, I'm a person that I've done a little bit of reading, and I and I did dig, start to dig into the, some of the resources that resources you sent me. But you know, for someone that's watching or listening to this, this is like. You're saying the words health equity. I don't really know what that is. How would you describe health equity? So overall, I think for you to understand health equity, you need to know about population health. Barack Obama started this Healthy Living 2020, which is everyone increased healthy lifestyle, healthy outcomes in 2020. And he put things in place. Now, what population health looks at is increased overall health in everyone. It talks about improving health outcomes. So if you have diabetes, you get treated with this. What are your health outcomes? Mm-hmm. Um, do you improve other things like that? Because sometimes, you know, you give someone medicine, it doesn't work. So then that doesn't really improve their health. They're just kind of covering up. And the last thing that population health does is it makes it, how can we make people better while making it affordable? Because a lot of things in healthcare is not affordable and therefore people are left by the wayside. Now, that's population health. Now, when health equity gets to it, they look at the outcomes. Like, oh, okay, diabetes, the one thing that you can, um, how you track someone's diabetes is what we call hemoglobin A1C, which is pretty much the amount of crystallized sugar on your red blood cells. When that percentage is above um, 6.5, you're considered diabetic. You give them medicine, and then you watch that trend go down. Now, health equity looks at what some overall population, let's say, I live in Indianapolis. So Indianapolis, hemoglobin A1C has decreased to 5.5% for people. And you're like, okay, that sounds pretty good. But then what health equity does is that then looks at the distribution of that. So it looks at sex, it looks at race, it looks at socioeconomic status, it looks at um, rural or urban, and then kind of looks at it and says, hey, is that trend still down? At some point, you know, someone who lives in a rural area, their human ability at UNC might not not have even gotten down. Mm -hmm. And so you look at what is the health disparity that's keeping them from actually achieving this? Like for African-American and urban, like, can they get to their doctor? Can they afford their medication? Part of decreasing the A1C is also, are there grocery stores in the area? Because there's a lot of food deserts in urban areas, as well as do people feel like they trust their doctors? So health equity is saying, hey, here's a health outcome. Let's look at the distribution based on certain 
classes as well as sex, race, age, and say, hey, are any of these groups not getting the whole entire benefit of the health outcome and why? And if the reason why is that health disparity, what's stopping them from getting a seat at the table and getting their best life and best healthiness? So health equity is pretty much saying, all right, I see the numbers increase, but does that mean it for everyone? So that someone's left in the corner thinking, oh, I thought this was supposed to improve me, and it's not at all, and they're not living a healthy life. Yeah, <laughs> pretty important. Yeah. And, and so I'm curious, because I, as a woman in the world, I've been known to go on a few rants about mm-hmm. like the fact that you know, with studies, you know, women a lot of times are overlooked because apparently uh, uteruses are confusing. I don't know. But (laughs) does health equity, does it encompass everything from the research to the medicine to, you know, you're talking about like food deserts and does it encompass that whole kind of, I don't even know, ecosystem? Yeah. So it looks at all the distributions that, or ways that someone's health cannot improve and why. So like for women, for example, so like the VA, I love the VA. Um, They're amazing. But I will say for, you know, the last 60 years, VA is predominantly, uh, the armed forces have been mostly male. So therefore, you know, there's a lot of women that go to the VA and there's not primary care women health doctors there, or there's not ones that they feel comfortable with. Therefore, what is a woman supposed to do? Either they stay within the system and see someone that they're uncomfortable with and possibly get better, or do they just not go because they're like, I can't relate with this someone. Number one, there's the roadblock right there. Go to a primary care offer, get an outcome, but this health disparity means, hey, there is not that many women health primary care providers in the VA, even though, because I think there was... um, a study done in 2014, 93% of patients are male and then 6% of patients are women. And those women are like, well, why aren't there more? And it's because, well, they don't have anyone that sees me. There's no one that specializes in my health. No one talks about my uterus or someone doesn't shame me into talking about my uterus. So that is what we would call a health disparity, which there makes a health um, inequality for women. Um, And that happens in so many other areas as well. So you don't have enough money to get a test. Therefore, your health outcome isn't great. The health disparity. You have people telling you, oh, just go walk around outside to lose weight, you know, in order to increase your health. But yet the health disparity is you don't feel safe in your neighborhood. Therefore, your health outcome is going to be different. So all these things can definitely affect someone's overall ability to get to live their best life like I don't trust the doctor it's a male I don't feel safe outside I don't know where there's fresh food at and the whole point of health equity is to erase these barriers so that everyone's not even playing the field like so someone who gets everything no barriers someone who doesn't has blocks we're trying to erase this level right here and so bring everyone up to the plate so that they can live honestly the healthiest life that they can You may not know this, but I actually hate going grocery shopping. That's why I swear by Thrive Market. I love that they share my values like sustainable sourcing, and I'm able to get high quality, non-perishable pantry items at a discount. And hey, it gets shipped to my door. 
grab the link in the show notes for a 25% discount off your first order. Happy shopping. I mean, it's such a complex issue. How, what what is, I guess what's currently happening to help erase those, those issues, like what, what is the the work to be like, oh, how? There's a, there's a lot of work. So you can always go, there's a website that I sent. Um, It's for the CDC Healthy 2020. And it actually has a bunch of health equity missions. If you care about cardiovascular, if you care about diabetes, if you care about women's health, there's actually um, been outreaches for every single one of of something that you're probably interested in. Mm -hmm. Um, Like for women, the VA has made it mandatory that at least um, 30% of their providers now have to go through um, women health primary care training. So that's focused on women. They can be like, hey, I am certified in this. You can feel comfortable talking to me. Therefore, now maybe erasing or at least limiting this barrier so now women can then get the, the health care that they feel that they deserve and need. Then there's also people who are doing food drives or making sure that certain, uh, I know in LA when I live there, they're trying to not bring up a, another liquor store down around the street and open up another grocery store. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it depends on what your passion is and there's always things to do in order to help make sure that everyone is able to get the best health that they can. I mean, even kind of during this crisis, this COVID-19 crisis, I know you've probably heard there's been a lot of people who have been sick, but the majority have been underserved communities or those that are, um, those that are considered vulnerable. Um, so what do you do about that? It becomes with education of providers. It becomes being open and, doing health promotion to areas that you might not think you'd be in, but it's also as easy as just like, Hey, meeting someone that, you know, might be struggling and you're like, Hey, you really should probably go get tested or really do this. And just being an advocate for someone, even if, you know, you don't directly deal with their care, just having someone talk to someone also really helps. And let them know, Hey, no, that's not right. Like I don't have a problem doing this. Let's find out ways that you can go around this so that you deserve the exact same thing as someone in regards to your health. I feel like a lot of times with health, um, especially like more medical stuff, it becomes, it, it kind of feels like one of those things that like we don't talk about. Right. Of course. Like it seems like the things that we don't talk about are the things that societally we are struggling with big time. How, you know, how do you break down those barriers, even just like on an individual level to say, Hey, like, this is a concern. And again, I like the, the things I've been seeing the most are like women talking more about things like PICOS um, and, and getting help and, and being believed for those. Mm-hmm. But how can we in this community be better allies and advocates and, and, you know, help each other? Yeah, no, I think, I think that's a great question, especially kind of with the climate now where, you know, people don't feel like they can share because one they don't feel like they have an advocate for them. So someone might not be, hey, I'm going through this time. This is happening to me. And then they don't want to feel shunned. So the one thing, just even if you're not even a provider, being a listening ear for someone. Um, and then when you are listening, and if that's something that you're passionate about, you can direct 
kind of the websites that um, I, I sent to you and that will be on here. You can go on those as well. Another one is your local public health. So if you live in Indianapolis, Indianapolis public health. If you live in um, uh, Port Wainini, there's the Port Wainini public health. And you can look at what resources that they have and then give that to them, but also encourage them like, hey, you know, you might think this this is your normal, but I'm letting you know, like, there's another way to do things. And if this is something that's bothering you, then I think that's something that you should pursue and change. And I am an advocate for you to help get this done. I think a lot of people, I think health equity has been kind of the silent thing that no one talks about, where it's, oh, everyone has the has the opportunity to do exactly the same thing um, when it's not the case. And I think more promoting of it and people accepting that, no, this person's probably a vulnerable population or disadvantaged. And if you want to take that responsibility on to make sure that everyone gets really good health, I think that you need to, one, first be an advocate for that person. Listen to them. Even if you might not understand, try to have them explain it. And even if you still don't understand, let them know that you're there for them and that you're willing to talk to him about it and research for things or find someone else that they can talk to in order to get things done. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely something I, I think that, you know, and for timestamp wise, right? Like this, we're recording this June 18th of 2020. So um, amidst COVID crisis, Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. so many conversations going on right now. I mean, really about, about silence and about privilege and, mm-hmm. you know, people not being aware of what's right in front of them, really. And I think, and I think that's a really good thing that like people not being aware or that they don't want to be aware where it's just like, well, my, my life's so great and great. I don't, I don't really need to hear about someone else's, but overall, like everyone's health affects everyone else. Like COVID-19 doesn't matter that some person, let's say in a rural area had it, if he goes to the airport one day, everyone has it. So you might not think that someone else's health affects you, but like when it comes to a pandemic or if it comes to um, another infectious disease, it does. And therefore it is still like everyone's responsibility to make sure that everyone is taken care of. That, that, I mean, and that's me because I'm a healthcare provider, but I think it also is just, it's what being a good human being is about too. Yeah, Absolutely. It's something I've been saying over and over right now. It's like what, like people are are, are people first. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, why it, it doesn't? It, it seems like it should be simple, mm-hmm. you know, to to just treat each other with kindness and and uplift people that need help. Yeah, but I mean that's why that's why I want to have these conversations, right? Because yeah. if we don't talk about it, then then what, how can we change anything? Exactly. And I mean, and that's not even like, so what you're talking about women and men, I know, unfortunately like, Oh, well, you know, she's not that much in pain. She's just PMSing. It's like, no, actually I'm in pain. And that's like education on like providers part. Also education on sexist remarks or your way of thinking of women or it's the same thing as men. Like, Oh, he doesn't have a mental health issue. Like he's a man. Those stigmas need to go away. And everyone has an unconscious bias where it's a prejudice based on norms that they grew up with and stereotypes. Doesn't mean they're right. It's just something that they've been ingrained with as a child. And 
I think it's, if someone's really wanting to help someone, they have to acknowledge their own unconscious bias. Uh, And once that happens and they're free to be like, oh, okay, no, like there is privilege in some form. I feel like I'm privileged. Um, I went to a private school all, all through high school and, you know, went to the Naval Academy. So I do, I, I lived a privileged life. I still live a privileged life. And to not acknowledge that I feel does a disservice to my patients that I talk to where it's, Hey, why don't they, you know, I don't know why they're morbidly obese. It's just easy, like eat, eat a salad or something like that. When, you know, they have three kids at home, they work two jobs. They don't have time to come home and cook. They stop, get McDonald's. And it's one of those things of, okay, now how do I, how do I express to this person? Hey, I understand you're in this, in this situation in your life. You have to work two jobs. What can we do to make your life healthier? And that's when, you know, you send them to community farmer markets. You send them to like potential cooking classes that are free in the community. So like, Hey, this is a healthy meal for you and your children. What this does now that you have this access that you can one, lose weight, decrease your, uh, heart disease, diabetes, as well as make a a better future for your children. Because, you know, more children, obesity is increasing significantly in the United States. And I think it's mostly due to people just being so busy, so busy doing things. And, and I think just if people are educated or just in the sense that someone talks to them and sits down to them on their, like on their level, explaining things. I always hate it when I go to my own medical appointments and they like use medical jargon, which that's already a barrier then automatically. Like if I say hypertension, what does that mean? Like, I don't understand, but that means you have high blood pressure. And it's just like kind of making sure that, yes, you know, you're obviously smart, you're a healthcare provider, but does what you're doing actually, does that distance you from your patients? So you're not able to affect change them? Or does that kind of make them look at you like, all right, well, this person doesn't understand me. I don't know, whatever. I don't care. I think the one thing for me that I try to do every day is to make sure that my patient's especially in primary care, that my patients are engaged. I ask how they're doing. I say, well, why do you think you have a problem with this? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, what are some ways that we can improve on this, make them part of their health plan? And Mm -hmm. I think once someone says, okay, this person cares about what I'm doing, they seem like they want to help me. And wait, I'm in charge of it also myself, that I, I felt the most improvement with patients. When you sit down and just kind of like, I'm just like you. I love certain things that are probably not great for me, but this is how we change the way you live so you can live a healthier, longer life. Yes. Yeah. That, I mean, that makes complete sense. And I think our, I don't know if it's just like fast food companies or what, but like our media has done a really good job training us to think that we don't know how to take care of ourselves. You know, I find it all the time with my clients and I'm like, listen, like, I don't want to teach you how to follow a diet. I want oh to teach you how to choose foods that will fuel your body well. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and people are like, well, what's, you know, but what, am, what am I allowed to eat? I'm like, girl, I had a pint of ice cream like yesterday. I don't yeah. feel bad about it. Like, <laughs> Exactly. You know, uh, the, the balance and, and understanding like, Hey, yeah, you can have this thing. It will do this to your body. 
and you know making those choices. And so I love hearing here because I, I oftentimes I look at this from like more of the holistic standpoint, but I love hearing that from the medical standpoint too. You know, hey, like be involved in in your own care and understanding. And you're so right. It never occurred to me that like the medical jargon is like a barrier, but it totally is. Mm-hmm. And I, so I, I'm a big fan of lifestyle medicine. I know that pharmaceutical companies will hate me, but I think that there's people are on way too many medications and, and that's reason again, a health disparity. Why is someone on 20 different medications? Is it because they weren't taught, no one took the time to sit down and say, hey, if you do this, we can take away five of these medications. And this is what this looks like. And it's more of just a, unfortunately, medicine is very, I have 15 minutes with this patient, it's time to go. And I'm not really a fan of that model. I work for um, my primary care, I work for a model where we, you know, they, we have a dietitian, we have a sports physiologist, and they talk to them. And then they spend an hour with me and I talk about their health problems. And then I say, well, okay, we can adjust this medication, but let's try, let's try this first. Like, what did the dietitian say? And I love that kind of all-encompassing yes. care. But then the question is, all right, so this is the health outcome. You have all this thing. What are the barriers for other people? What, what's stopping them from getting here? Mm-hmm. And that's from the healthcare system. Again, in 15 minutes, it comes from transportation potentially. It could be time because they can't take time off of work. It can be from food deserts. And that is what we talk about health equity. When you take health outcomes and kind of figure out ways on making sure that those health disparities, which are keeping them from living their best life and just kind of erasing them. So everyone can be like, yeah, I'm healthy. I hate it when people say that health is a right or that it, sorry, that health is like, it's not something that you're born with. You don't, you don't have the right to health, which I don't, it's everyone like has a privilege versus a right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, mm, no. And I think people who think that are very closed minded in the fact that one person's health that you might not know, they're thinking, Hey, that's not going to affect me. But again, as we saw mentioned COVID again, some random person that you don't even know, just infects another random person that you don't even know, affects another and infects another, and now you know you're potentially with COVID nineteen. Bacteria or viruses do not care your social status or your accolades. It cares how do you treat yourself and if you make sure that you live your best life and avoid things. So, yes. Oh, I yeah, I totally agree. I have one more question because I just. <laughs> I'm so I like, I have to ask, um, you know, a lot of my audience is in the like military and, and veteran kind of system. If they are in a situation where they, where they're encountering a barrier, you know, maybe it's, they don't have a primary care physician that they're comfortable with or whatever. And they're in the system is, are there like resources that they can reach out to? What, what can they do? So if they're part of the VA system, like the VA is required to have, um, they're not in every clinic, unfortunately, but they're required to have women health primary care providers. And if they do not, that is one of those things where, hey, I know in 2012, you're supposed to have one and I would feel more comfortable with this. And if you're not feeling like it's providing for you, then I would definitely look somewhere else because it's not one of those, 
I don't think anyone should have an uncomfortable experience for the person that's primarily in charge of your health. Um, if you don't like the person, you definitely need to switch that person and don't let them make you feel bad about it. Um, cause I don't connect with all my patients and they're like, oh, I'd rather go with a male or someone that's older. And I'm just like, I completely agree. As long as that's, if anyone ever gets offended by that, then that, that only shows that they want the right provider for you. Mm-hmm. Um, be an advocate for yourself. If something doesn't feel right, be like, Hey, can I get a second opinion on that? Or do you recommend someone else? Um, but then also take responsibility also for your own health, like research. I get a health coach. I love that dietitian, love it. Um, and they'll be, they'll also help you in like your journey for overall health as a veteran, as well as, um, uh, service members. I don't think that you should ever let anyone tell you that, oh, that's not important. Mm-hmm. Or, no, it's not that big of a deal. If you think it's a big deal, do not let someone push your concerns underneath the rug. I think that is, even in the military, like, hey, don't complain. Like, I've had some military doctors say, oh, that's not that big of a deal. Don't worry about it. Or you're being dramatic. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't let anyone ever make you feel like that you're being crazy about your health. Because essentially, at the end of the day, it's about you and not them. And if someone ever does make you feel uncomfortable, there are avenues in order to go around them, find someone completely different, and even voice your opinion of, you know, finding someone else. Uh, Never, ever just let someone tell you, ah, that's not a big deal, especially when you know in your heart and your soul that, hey, there's something wrong. Mm -hmm. You have to be an advocate for yourself as well. Definitely. Emily, thank you so much. This was such a wonderful conversation and, and so informative. I mean, you're just like such an inspiration too. I, I just, I love seeing like Academy women just like kicking ass. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's just really What fun. year are you? Huh? What year are you? 13. Oh, okay. That's why you said 13. Okay. I just, I heard it in the, in the back of my mind and I was like, eh, <laughs> So uh, before I let you go, though, is there, you know, can people find more from you? Or obviously, um, I will post those um, links that you gave me as well in the show notes. But is there anything else you want to put out there? Yeah, so um, I just got Instagram. (laughs) I was like, oh, I guess I should get it. Um, But my I'm Navy PA 07. That is my handle. Um, And honestly, you guys can message me anything about hey, I don't feel like this is right to be with my health. And I will definitely try to find uh, a person that you can contact to better understand your situation or, you know, a primary care provider in your area that would better suit your needs. And if you have any questions about health equity, if you, you know, want to do some outreach in your community, always go to your local public health area. Uh, Their websites are full of things and events that are happening. I'm pretty sure that some of the events have backed off a little bit just because of the COVID-19, but there's still things that you can do such as um, make meals for kids. You know, kids right now they're out of school, but that was pretty much the only meal that they got all day. So they have where you make sandwiches and then give them out to the community. They have abilities to telehealth with the elderly so that they're not, you know, social distancing. They don't feel isolated. They have, so many things for you to get kind of involved, especially if you know you're st- at stay at home right now and you just want to reach out, get that connection with someone else. Um, 
but never feel like, even if you think it's small, it's still something really big to someone else. Nothing, nothing is ever considered too small when it's health equity. Um, and I'm pretty sure other people will appreciate it and always be an advocate for yourself. Oh, thank you so much, Ebony. I love, I just, I love talking to you so much. I, <laughs> this has been such a fun conversation and just thank you too for like sharing your wisdom, sharing your heart. I just, I really appreciate your time and, and, you know, coming on. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It was fun. <laughs> You've just finished another episode of the Healthy Women Warriors podcast. If you like the show, can you do me a favor? Go rate and review it. I would really appreciate it. And once you do, post a picture and tag at Ash McGee Coach so I can shout you out. Talk to you next week.